reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Deuteronomy 6. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs. Because the kingdom of God belongs. The kingdom of God belongs. Belongs to such a Good morning. Good to see you all. Hi, everyone in the room. Hi, everyone online. Um, thanks for joining us today. Let me um, yeah, recommend the SRE uh, little focus we had, this little handout you would have got on the way in, um, a few stories in that. Uh, if you do want to give to that, apologies, tax deductible option is not really available this time, uh, but you can fill in that. You can use the normal uh, online giving portals for that. If you do, please just say this is for the SRE um, Focus just helps us keep track of uh, what's coming in and what it's for. Um, that'd be really great. Uh, Cole did say if you have questions or anything, uh, use the QR code. And Cole probably sitting there doesn't see a chair in front of him, and so won't know that most of the QR codes have fallen off the chairs. So if you're looking for a QR code, it's on the back of your handout. That's our connect with us uh, link on the back of your handout. QR code there. Connect cards also on the boxes around the room. Uh, we're starting a kind of a, a newish series. It's kind of topical. We've got to pick and choose a bit what to do. Uh, if you have questions on the way through, I don't know if we'll do a Q and A at the end. I'll decide later. Uh, but if you, if on the way through, if you have questions, things you want to cover, questions that are raised for you, do drop them in on a Connect card. You might be able to chuck them into a sermon on the way through, or answer them at the end, or get back to you personally. So you can use the QR code for that as well. All right. Now, I've been uh, here at TAC for about seven years, my seventh year here, and it's a bit hard to remember back kind of uh, right to the beginning what it was like. Um, when I joined, I joined as the uh, kids and families minister back then, and there's a moment uh, that stands out in my memory, a meal that stands out in my memory. I took one of the kids' church leaders out for lunch, and I think this meal goes down in his mind as one of the worst meals of his life. Uh, we went down, uh, it was, I was new to the area, we didn't quite know where to go or what to order. We went down to one of the little Sri Lankan places down near Tingabi Station. Uh, and I said, do you like Indian food? We didn't know it was Sri Lankan. Anyway, we went to the Sri Lankan place. And he was expecting to get like a nice mild butter chicken or something. This place didn't do that kind of thing. 
Uh, it was very authentic, very spicy, almost blew the poor guy's head off. Um, he hated it. It was gross. For him, I quite enjoyed it. I also enjoyed watching him. But uh, that's... <laughs> And then teasing him for years after it. Anyway, uh, but the point was, as well as being a memorable meal, it was a memorable conversation. It's a significant conversation, one that I've had um, for years uh, and years with other people in different ways. Um, this leader had been serving in kids' ministry for uh, some years now, doing a great job. And he was wondering, you know, I'm coming in, is it time for a change. Should he leave that team and do something different? Um, he was thinking about joining the youth group team, which is a, a fine thing to do. Uh, but his reason was this. He said, you know, youth group, that's where it's at. That's where it's all happening. That's where kids are becoming Christians. That's where decisions are made. That's where it's all happening. And that doesn't really happen at kids' church. That's what he said. I don't quite remember all his words, but our kids' ministries, he felt, we're just kind of babysitting them until, you know, they, they get to the real deal, until they get to being youth and they can make some real decisions for themselves. So long story short, we had a long conversation he stuck around in the team for some years, which was lovely. But he was raising big questions. Does childhood matter? Does childhood faith matter? What does God think of kids? And I've had this conversation um, a number of times over the years, usually as I've sat in people's lounge rooms uh, preparing to um, baptise or dedicate uh, their kids. We ask it, what do we want for our kids? Where do they stand before God? Now, as, we talk, as I talk with those, those families, I often get the comment that, that one will haven't really thought through some of these things before, haven't really had the chance to think about it. And secondly, they ask, well, why don't we teach them this stuff at church? And so, seven years later, while I have the power to shape the preaching roster and the program, I'm going to use it. I'm going to cover a few of these things uh, here at church. Uh, it's a good time to do this. We're getting into our SRE focus over the next few weeks. Usually coincides with the end of financial year. This time it just happens to be when it is. Uh, and uh, also as we head towards Kids Week, it's just really good to, to sort of see why we're doing this, why this matters, why we're reaching out to kids and families in our area. We're starting this new series called Such As These, and it echoes the words of Jesus. As um, we say it in our baptismal services, uh, Jesus welcomes little children. He says, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of God, he says, belongs to such as these. It belongs to those who are like children. And, and I've called it this because I don't just want to talk about kids for the next, however long, four or five weeks. Uh, we don't just want to talk about kids. It, it says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, those who are like children. Jesus uses children as a model to express what faith is like, even for us as adults. So I've got a few aims as we go through this series. One, that we will think a bit about children and God's plan for children and childhood. Secondly, uh, we kind of grow more to see our place in this, in this church family, in the family of God, as we care for kids um, in our church, in our community. And thirdly, kind of most importantly, I think I want you to see again that the absolute privilege it is that you have in being a child of God. As we learn from children, we see what our relationship with our Heavenly Father is like. That's what I want you to see. So, as you, as you go through the service, I don't want you thinking this is just for parents with young kids, um, that kind of thing. Uh, if you are a child of God, or if you're interested in knowing what it means to be a child of God and calling God your Father, then I pray that you really get a lot out of these next uh, few weeks. 
But this week, yep, we're thinking particularly about children. It's a bit of a different kind of uh, talk. hope it's interesting to you, even if little kids aren't much a part of your life at the moment. Because, well, we can look back on our own experience and something we all have in common is that we were, once upon a time, little children. So, take your mind back to those years where you were planning to be a pilot or a killer whale instructor or whatever it was. And think about what, those different, what, differences, what difference those years made in your faith journey. Just think about that for yourself. Perhaps you grew up in a family that was Christian, perhaps you didn't. Perhaps you were exposed to another faith. Uh, maybe you were at Sunday school or SRE. Uh, when was it you made a decision of faith? Was it in childhood, older, youth, adult? Can you remember a moment? Was it more of a gradual thing? We've each got our own stories. Today I want us to see how uh, children are God's delight and how they're really part of God's family. And secondly, we're going to see that children, they're not, they're not quite like us. <laughs> they're not adults in small bodies. They're different. They're, the, we're going to see the process of development is, uh, is part of God's good design for humanity. God designed the process of development. Childhood is God's design. Children, God's delight. Childhood, God's design. Like I said, it's a different kind of talk today. We usually look at the Bible and chunk through a passage. This is a bit different. We're going to look around different bits of the Bible. We're going to uh, see how bits of kind of childhood science link in with it uh, as well. hope uh, it's interesting for you. But I think it's really important that we dig into some of this stuff because um, we kind of run two dangers. The danger of uh, putting, uh, expecting too much or too little from the kids in terms of their, their faith in our families, in our, in our church family. Uh, if we expect too much of them, we kind of see them as little adults, expect them to kind of have decisions like we do, and we can despair when they're not getting it in the way we want them to get. Um, we can forget that faith takes time to develop. On the other hand, if we expect too little and think that it all just happens at, you know, later in life, then um, we kind of lose a significant opportunity uh, to invest in those foundational years. Uh, we don't want to lose focus as a church on those childhood years. We must invest in the kids here. We must reach out to the kids in our community as well. All right, children are God's delight. Childhood is God's design. Let's start with children being God's delight. By this, I mean that they are uh, included in God's plan. They are included among God's people. As He delights in all His children, including us, he delights in his little children. We'll take a quick sweep through the Old Testament, see this in action a little bit. First Old Testament, this is before Jesus, in the, the couple thousand years before Jesus, we see these different writings. We see the Psalms, they speak of um, God's hand in forming a child in the mother's womb, Psalm 139. And we look at Religious celebrations like the Passover, we see kids involved in it. They've got a role, they answer questions, they, they're, they're part of it. Uh, not particularly pleasant for the young lads. Uh, the children, the, the boys, were shown to be part of God's family on the eighth day at their circumcision. Uh, we see that God uses children for particular roles. He, uh, Samuel and Samson uh, dedicated to the Lord from birth. In the passage we had in Deuteronomy 6, we see the instruction of children, valued and important. They're invited into their faith journey from a very early age as participants. There's a number of Examples in the Old Testament where children are valued and included as, the part, as part of God's people. Children are God's delight. 
And it's a little clearer as we get to the New Testament in some ways, uh, in Jesus' time and beyond. But before we get there, it's interesting to think about how different the attitude of Jesus is to uh, the world's attitudes at the time. Uh, How did society see kids back then? Now, today in our society, we expect children to be valued and included and treasured. We kind of hope that's the case. This wasn't so much the case in Bible times. In Greek and Roman culture, kids are often seen as kind of vulnerable, uh, as, as weak, not much value given to the child until they were kind of officially welcomed into the family or became an adult or got married. And in a way, children were a lot about economics. You need one child, or maybe two, to provide for you in the future, for the good of society. But the more kids you had, the more mouths you had to feed. The more girls you had, the more dowries you had to pay at their marriage. Many Greek and Roman families only raised one or two children, rarely more than one girl, and those that didn't fit the equation were often left out to die. It's it's pretty grim, isn't it? It's pretty grim. You contrast that to the God who says, I knit you together in your mother's womb, a father God who delights in his creation. Uh, But in societies back then, children didn't enjoy the status they do today and the freedom they often do today. And so we see how radical it is for Jesus to include kids the way he does. Even in Jewish society, where kids were valued more than in Greek or Roman society, even there we see children coming to Jesus and the disciples saying, no, go away, leave the tired adult alone. That probably even happened these days, wouldn't it? We would say that kind of thing. No, no, leave, leave Jesus alone. But Jesus says, no, let them come. Don't stop them coming to me. Jesus treasures children. If you scan through the Gospels, you see um, him healing the, the, the daughter of the temple ruler, healing a demon-possessed child, even the child of a Gentile woman, Jesus heals and welcomes little ones. Children are part of his bigger plans. When the Holy Spirit is promised to God's people in Acts chapter 2, the disciples say, it's for you and for your children. Children are part of Jesus' plans. They're part of the church. Jesus delights in children. Go through the New Testament letters. We see that the letters are written, often expecting that the kids are there hearing it part of God's gathered people. Um, Paul, for example, includes them and doesn't just say, children, obey your parents. Should be fair enough. He also writes to the fathers. Don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Love and respect your children. Raise them to know me, God says. Children are God's delight. They're not. Now, to be honest, there's not as much in the Bible as I would like about kids. I have some questions that I would like answered a bit more clearly, but we get what we get. Uh, But we do see them as valued by God, not because they're perfect little angels. If you've ever met a child, you know that's not the way it is. We see, even in the Scriptures, sin impacting their lives. But, you know, God values us and welcomes us despite our failures and sins. God values children. God delights in children because they are His. All right, so what? What difference does this make practically uh, to us? Uh, what, well, seeing children as really part of the people of God and valued by God leads us to some kind of practical implications. Uh, for one, we spend a lot of time and money investing in kids' ministries. We want to do that uh, really well. We want to partner with parents. We want to bring kids up to know Jesus. We want to be reaching out. We invest in things like Toonie Kids Week. That's one thing. Another thing, uh, this is kind of why I'm happy to baptize uh, little babies of Christian parents. I'm happy to baptize children of Christian parents. Because I think the physical sign, the sacrament, the physical sign of baptism 
shows a spiritual reality. It shows the spiritual reality that the kids are actually part of the family of God, the people of God. If they're really part of the people of God, I'm happy to show that through baptism. I'm happy for kids to be part of the celebration of the Lord's Supper, personally, just like the Passover, where they were there and uh, it was used to teach kids about God's saving work so they can take part and learn today, I think. Now, well, we have church stuff at the moment, doesn't happen an awful lot, um, but that's kind of my thinking behind it. Now, I know Christians think different things on this and books and books and more books were written, written on it and argued about it and I don't think other churches are necessarily wrong in making other decisions on these things. Um, and, you know, I will dedicate kids as well as baptise them if that's what we talk about with the parents and that's okay and I won't force any child to take communion. It's just giving you thinking uh, behind what we do here and fundamentally behind that is the belief that kids of Christians have a have a place in the kingdom, have a place in the family of God. Um, now, I get an objection to this quite often. An objection is, well, what if kids walk away later? What if they turn away? We baptise a child and they grow up and turn away. And I, I kind of get that, but I've also seen plenty of people confirmed as teenagers, baptised as adults, also walk away from the faith. It's not a guarantee of anything. Uh, but I think of it like this. I think when a child is born into my family... When I have, when I, as a child in my family, uh, they're, they're a Colville, that's my last name by the way, uh, they, they are a Colville whether they like it or not. <laughs> child born into my family is a Colville and they're part of my family. In the same way, a child born into my family is part of the people of God, as my family is. Now, a child may at some point decide to walk away from the name of Colville, if they, if they want to, they can turn their back on, on that family. They have the right to do that. I pray they don't. In the same way, people might choose to walk away from God and I pray even more they won't do that. But God's promises are to me and my children and I hold on to that in the here and in the now. Because we see God's inclusion of kids in His people. All through the Scriptures. Children are His delight. And I think as a church, we, 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 need to, uh, we must show this valuing and delight. We must show it as we welcome kids as we value them, as we care for them, as we teach them as best as we can. And I want to thank you for the ways that you do that among your families, among our church family, the ways you invest and support and care for the kids in our family. But kids, right? <laughs> they're funny creatures. Children, um, they're different, aren't they? What do we expect from kids? What do we expect from their faith? Now, when I was at, at college, uh, studying uh, more college, I was planning on coming out and working with kids and families like, like I did, but I didn't really feel particularly well-equipped to answer some of these questions about kids and faith. And so I did my final fourth-year project on children and faith decisions, and I wanted to know what do we expect from them. You see, I talked once to a, a kids minister who said this. He said, uh, one year, every single one a kid in his year three scripture class said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Great, but what does that mean? Every single kid. Uh, at Tuny Kids Week and other holiday clubs, a kid will say, yep, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. Wonderful, next year. Yep, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. Hang on, was <laughs> that last year. What, is it, what does that mean? What, what's, what's going on? What do we do with that? What do we do with these kids and their decisions? I mean, how do kids make important decisions? Kids, we don't often let kids decide what they're going to wear 
what are they going to eat? Well, it's something to do and it goes bad. But, but, but so what, what do these decisions mean when they say they want to follow Jesus? Like I said, I did some work with this at college. If you really want to uh, dig in some of my, one of my work in here, I can email you a copy of my project, especially helpful if you're having trouble sleeping. You could get a copy. Um, but, but there's also, I thought about that, but the, but the, the big thing, which not came, it didn't come out in my report very much, but the big thing that I kept being reminded of all the way through, time and time again, uh, one of the big takeaways for me personally was remembering that the childhood is actually how God designed it. Childhood is God's design. It's His plan. Even when we don't understand kids, we don't have all the answers, we remember that childhood is God's uh, design. He designed it. He's not surprised by it. Uh, he doesn't look at kids and expect them to be adults in little bodies. He knows they need to grow and develop. Even the scriptures, I said, show that, that, that we see this development and change happening. Isaiah 7, we learn how kids need to learn how to discern good from evil. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, the thinking of a child is different from the thinking of, of, of an adult. Uh, even Jesus, we see, has to grow in wisdom and stature as he leaves the story as a 12-year-old boy to return as a 30-year-old man. Childhood is God's good design and doesn't take him by surprise. Childhood development is part of God's plan. Now, I'm going to talk through two kind of outflowing out, outcomes of this or two kind of elements of this that help us think about kids and their faith journeys. Uh, one, thinking about understanding the gospel and secondly, thinking about how faith grows. Uh, very often you hear the testimony. It's a, it's a great testimony. It's lovely. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, but I wasn't a Christian until I went to camp in year eight or year nine. And that speaker was great. It all clicked for me at that moment. I gave my life to Jesus. I understood grace. Then I became a Christian for real. You may have heard that. That may be your testimony. What's going on here? Well, I think what I want to show and see is that those, the early years before that, before you write, are actually very, very important. But in God's design of childhood, a child really is not able to understand lots of the gospel until they kind of reach those early teen years and it can click. Here's some science behind that. God designed science, by the way. Like, this is some uh, of how God designed it. Um, the educational psychologists talk about the difference between um, concrete thinking and abstract thinking. Have you heard of this before? Um, a child can do concrete thinking. There's uh, an example on, on up there. Uh, they can do concrete thinking about what they can see, what they can touch. It's all very literal. Um, I do this, I get rewarded, I do that, I get punished, concrete thinkers. But abstract ideas of love and grace and forgiveness and seeing something from someone else's point of view, dealing with metaphors can be tricky for little kids. Abstract thinking takes a while to develop. It does develop gradually, but it's there. You know, for example, you tell a young child that um, Jesus can come and live in their heart. <laughs> what? How? Where will they fit? Can they breathe? Is he very small? Will it hurt? But you see what I mean? That's, that's, concrete, that's concrete thinking. And you can even see how abstract a simple gospel message can be. I'll give you an example. Imagine you're talking to a little kid and you say, well, God, who is a very powerful person that you can't see, made everything, everywhere. But a long time ago, uh, people said no to God, which meant that everyone's friendship with God was, was broken 
this God you can't see. Uh, and, and that's why people die and are sad. Simple? Got it so far? But good news, God, who you still can't see, uh, sent his son Jesus. It's his son, and it's also Mary and Joseph's son. He's also God's son, and he's also God. Cool? Um, so, so he could grow up and then die. And he died to be punished for everyone who says no to God, even for you. So everyone could be God's friends, That's in, even though you can't see him. Uh, but on the good news, Jesus didn't stay dead, like you know your, your pet cat did or something. No, he came back to life, so you can live forever, which is a really, really long time. I mean, yes, you will die, but then you'll live forever. Got it? Um, and Jesus sent his spirit to be in your heart. And we can talk to God, he can't see, as long as you call, you know, eyes closed and close, fold your hands. I'm being a little bit silly, but you get the point, yeah? <laughs> the gospel, the good news, when you understand it, it's beautiful, but it's pretty dang full of abstract ideas and concepts. Forgiveness, grace, eternity, owing something to someone, uh, someone taking your place in something, spirit. No wonder it's hard for kids to get their heads around. And scientists tell us that it's kind of not until sort of 12, 13-ish that kids kind of really have a, a much more developed capacity for abstract thought. So, of course, year eight camp's an ideal time to understand grace. Really understand what Jesus did in your place for the sins you deserve to be punished for. And if your five-year-old doesn't get it, that's fine. That's normal. And it's okay. You know why? Because childhood development is God's good design. It doesn't take him by surprise. It doesn't expect more than he designed for. But the Bible doesn't say, wait until they develop this before you teach your kids. No, Deuteronomy 6, we hadn't read before. Uh, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign in your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Have... Uh, that text is on the screen there, Chris. Um, have God's word, have the truth of the gospel uh, bouncing around your head and your heart and your home all the time. Build it into the patterns of your life. Teach your children the Bible. That's what we do here at church. I mean, your preschoolers won't entirely get uh, how King David shows us what King Jesus will be like, but they've got to know about King David so they can put it together later. Um, this, this, this morning, my two-year-old um, brought me a book. Sorry, she's one. My one-year-old brought me a, a book and, and said and gave it to me to read it. And I opened it up, and it's the story of the nativity. It's you know, it's Jesus. And I'm like, look, it's the incarnate Son of God come to be with us in the flesh. And she goes, moo at the cow. <laughs> it's good for her. <laughs> Gradually loved reading Bible stories and know what the animals are, and eventually she'll understand Jesus come in flesh, God come in flesh. That's fine. Uh, the childhood years are very valuable, they're important. Childhood is God's design. Now, even if you don't uh, remember before year eight camp, what comes before it is really important. It's really important. So I think one big takeaway, you've got to pray. Pray for parents in the craziness of parenthood that they'll keep God's Word bouncing around their heads and their hearts and their homes. Pray for our kids' teams. They will teach well and clearly and some days you're going to help. It does look an awful like, like, look like babysitting and um, disaster management. But week in, week out, these things make a difference. We'll be building foundations for lifetimes of faith as kids uh, grow to understand more and more of the gospel uh, for themselves. And that's that text from Deuteronomy uh, 6 there. All right, well, how does faith grow? 
Um, I'm going to share uh, one more thing which might help us think about um, how we can kind of imagine God's design for childhood and faith development. Um, sometimes we, all we can remember is that one decision, that year nine moment, that flashbulb, and that's great, but here's something to help us think about what faith looks like uh, before that. To help us is a guy called uh, John Westerhoff, there he is. He kind of tries to ha- capture how faith grows, he calls it faith styles, um, especially among kids. He imagines it like rings growing on a tree. Now, a child, they're exposed, whether it's a Christian faith or otherwise, uh, their faith is experienced. It's experienced faith. Can go to the next one there. Yeah, there he goes. Experienced faith. We, if you're in a Christian family, what they experience is the faith of their family. Uh, experienced faith. So a, a child sees prayer in action, learns to say amen at the end of prayers and close their eyes. They, they, they see daddy reading their, his Bible. Um, they hear mummy playing the Jesus music. They come to church, whether they like it or not. Um, their faith starts as experienced faith. And whatever faith or worldview you're brought up with, that's how you experience it as a child, whether it's Christian or um, something else. You experience it as a child. Then as they get more aware, they get older, uh, kids see their place uh, in the church family. They get a sense of belonging in our community. They know their family is Christian, they know their church is Christian, they are affiliated with Christians, and so Westhoff calls it affiliative faith. Faith expresses being part of something. These are my people. Now, as an aside, that's why I made such a big deal right at the beginning of kind of branding all Toonie Kids things the same. Toonie Kids, Toonie Kids, Toonie Kids, everything Toonie Kids, one colour, one logo, one everything. I'm part of this. I'm part of this group. I can be a Toonie Kid. Um, these people love Jesus and they love me. I can belong to it. That's kind of the, the thinking behind that practical um, decision. And so kids from outside Christian families who don't have a, a faith community can in some ways, experience and affiliate and join in with the faith community here. That's affiliative faith. Now, eventually, you get to a point where uh, faith is not just your parents' faith or your church's faith, but you own it for yourself. You understand the gospel, it clicks, you decide you want to live for Jesus. Westhoff calls this owned faith. And um, it's, it's when you own it for yourself, when you would come to church and pray and read your Bible, whether your family did or does or not. But... I've missed the stage, there it is, we've got it there. Westhoff puts a stage between those two and he calls it searching faith. It's really important, right? It's really important because it's the transition between that faith of your family and your own faith. This is where abstract thought's developing, where ideas are tested, where alternatives are considered. And it's actually really important. This is, kids go through this, adults go through this. Um, here's where we, where we don't freak out in someone's faith journey. We don't freak out. We don't say, don't ask questions. How dare you say that about Jesus or God? No, no. We we don't say, just believe and shut up. No, don't think about it. This is is an important space that we need to allow uh, for kids, for youth, adults, to search to figure out stuff for themselves. If you don't do the searching at this point and you get attacked later and you have a foundation, you can can crumble if you don't uh, let this happen. This is where the foundational stuff about from their childhood comes into play. Do they know the truth, the centrality of the Bible? Have they seen the gospel make an impact in the life of their family? Do they feel loved and supported and part of a faith community? Does Jesus make sense of life? And decisions that happen bit by bit by bit. Sometimes it feels like it's all at once, but sometimes it doesn't, that's okay. 
But these, these kind of these styles of faith, they grow on each other like rings on a tree. Not that one's better than the other in terms of uh, which bit of faith is better to be in or not, but they grow. Often as they get older, but other times during life as well. Now, each person's story is different. This is a very, very generalized, like it's a generalization. It's just showing that faith develops. Children develop. And if an outsider can look complicated and confusing as we look at, look at kids and look at people, it's not complicated and confusing to God because He designed it. Designed uh, children, childhood, and the development. Children are God's delight. Childhood is God's design. Now, where does that leave you and me today? Maybe you find this vaguely interesting. Maybe you've never thought these things before. Maybe you have. Um, that's okay. For some people, I share this with... Um, it helps them really understand their own faith journey a bit. They go, oh, that's why I thought this, or this is the difference that my childhood made, or I didn't have a big experience of conversion, and that's okay. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's you. Maybe it helps you see how God has been at work in your life all the way through. Uh, I hope this understanding of the importance of faith community shows us again how important it is for our kids to be part of church, seeing us come to church, regularly part of a group they belong to at church. Um, uh, Cole will talk in a few weeks' time about the importance of, of like all our responsibilities in caring for each other, older and younger, in our church, part of the church family. Uh, for some of you, this may help you understand the faith journey of your own children or your grandchildren or children in your lives in other ways. Uh, maybe you're expecting too much from their faith and understanding. Why don't you understand atonement, three-year-old? Um, maybe expect too much of them, maybe expect too little, and are thinking it'll all happen later. Uh, I kind of think, what we asked before, what to do with the, the whole Scripture class that wants to become Christians? All those at Kids Week who say they become Christians again and again. Those are steps towards Jesus, and we celebrate them. We celebrate them, we don't put too much weight on them. This is the moment! We just go, yep, great, steps towards Jesus. Um, our kind of unofficial model, motto of, of Kids Week, as I said in the video before, as we'll keep saying, is we want kids and families to take steps towards Jesus and steps towards our church family. Steps towards Jesus, steps towards church. And that's um, what we want for kids out there, it's what we want for kids in here. We pray and work for those steps, small as they may be. And we pray that God will bring people into His family. Um, I trust that we see the significance of those early years. Uh, it's really great to be part of a church where kids are loved and cared for well. And thank you, each of you, for your part. You play in that. Thanks for supporting uh, our kids' ministries uh, as a church. It's a really great thing to do. It's a great to be part of a church where people um, give so generously of their uh, money to resource SRE and Tuni Kids. People give generously of their time. People are taking annual leave to make Kids Week happen. It's amazing. Um, thank you for doing that in various ways, helping uh, the kids of our church. Thanks for delighting in God's children as He does. Um, next week, we're going to think more about what it means for us to have faith uh, like a child and how we can be the such as these uh, as well. For now, uh, I'm going to pray for us and for the kids of our church. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You know kids and You designed them. Uh, and you know how they work, you know what's going on in their heads, even when we have no idea. Um, we ask that uh, in your mercy and grace, you would help the kids of our church family to keep taking steps towards you, taking steps towards owning faith for themselves. 
Father, it can be a great heartache for many of us when uh, our kids are taking steps away from you uh, at different stages. And we pray uh, in that, that you would give us um, comfort, that you give us uh, peace. We pray for those of us here now who, yeah, who are grieving kids, who seem, kids and adults who seem far from you. And we just do ask that in your mercy, uh, that you would bring them back to you, that they would remember the faith of their childhood, that they would uh, be able to put those bits uh, of those foundations back together and by your Spirit and your grace that you would return them uh, to you. And we just ask for your mercy in that. We pray uh, for our kids' church team and our Tuny Kids Week team. We pray for great wisdom and great patience uh, as they love the kids of our church and our community, as they point them to Jesus. I pray that they uh, and us would be helping kids take steps towards you uh, be helping families take steps towards you and towards our church um, as well. Father, thank you that you made and you de- designed and you delight in children and you made and designed and delight in us as well. May we feel that delight of you as our good, our good Father and rest and comfort, uh, have comfort in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.